Well, one more time, welcome. We are excited to be starting a new series today. Uh, we're going to be taking a good part of the summer, at least the first two months here, and looking at the book of Galatians and really exploring the ideas that we see here in this book. And so I'm excited. It's one of my favorite books. Uh, that and Romans, I believe, are a complementary book set that when you kind of see the big themes that are presented in these two books, you get a really great sense of what it is to be a part of the family of God and what we have been offered through Christ. As we are preparing for this series, we got to thinking about you know, how to help you understand where the Galatians were and what was really being addressed here. And it made me think of being invited to the big kid table. How many of you, I mean, and maybe this is just me, maybe, um, maybe this is not, doesn't culturally go across, but I mean, how many of you came from families where there was an adult table and then there was the kid table? Okay, I see a few people raising your hands. How many of you remember when you got to be invited up to the big table? Like, you, you didn't have to sit in the, you know, in the card table um, down in the back you know, with, with all of your cousins or whatever. You, were, you actually got to sit up with the adults and listen to the adult conversations in the room. And I mean, it's a big deal, right? I, I don't think I actually got to that table until I got married. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think that, like, I, I was still back in, you know, down in, in, the, in the basement with the little kids until the day I, I finally got married, and I think that was what qualified me as a big kid now. I get, to, uh, I get to sit at the big kid table. Although I do remember that that first experience of it wasn't always as pleasant as I would have hoped it would have been. That we were going back home, to my home, uh, for Christmas, and we were going to go to two different spots. You know, the first one was to see one side of my family. The, the next one was to see the other side of the family. And we were invited up to the big kid table. That was, that was evident. But it, it didn't turn out to be as good as I had hoped. Uh, they, they, were, they were talking about a lot of stuff that really kind of made us uncomfortable. Uh, one of my aunts was giving my wife advice on what it would take to divorce me. Um, and, and all this stuff. And all, this, all, the, all the fun of dysfunction was coming up at the big kid table. But then we, we left that house. We drove an hour or so away. Uh, so we had lunch with, with that family. We, we went to have dinner with the other family. And it was amazing the difference. Because we got there, first of all, the little kids were really excited to see us because I found out they waited to open all of their presents until we showed up. And I, I felt like, first of all, I felt, like, I felt awful. I'm like, we're holding up Christmas for the little kids. But, um, but they said, no, we're not opening the presents until everyone's there. And then we were invited up to the big kid table. And I was actually invited to pray as a part of several different generations at the table, praying for God's blessing over the different generations and the legacy and the history that we have of being people who followed Christ and what we're believing for the future of our family. And so, I mean, it was just, it was a stark difference of, in one case, I'm kind of feeling like maybe I shouldn't be at the big head table. And the next one, I'm like, man, we're a part of a family that's showing honor and respect to the generations. 
And so, as we are looking at the book of Galatians, we are running into a group of people who have been invited to the table. And unfortunately, they have misunderstood or they have chosen to take on attributes that were not necessary to be invited in. They, they, were, they were invited in on the understanding that all you needed was Jesus. That anything plus Jesus is not Christianity. That it's in faith alone, in Christ alone, that your own works do not save you. Your own following of religious code does not save you. And unfortunately, the Galatians, even though they were given that message, fell back into bondage. And they began to add dimensions to their spirituality that God never designed for them to carry. And so today, I want to talk about, in part one, freedom to believe. That we, as the people of God, we're invited to be a part of the family. And we're invited to be students of God's Word, to understand what has been given to us, and to live that out in a way that honors Him and that draws other people into the freedom that we've been offered. And so you're going to see that theme of freedom coming out throughout this entire series. The freedom we have through Christ. The freedom we have to live the gospel that's been presented to us. And so I'm going to try during this series to read through every single line of the book of Galatians. I can't promise we're going to get through every line. I can't promise that it's all going to uh, flow perfectly. I might have to chop up some stuff, but I, I, want, I want to do our best to read through every line. So that means that there's going to be some times we're going to get up for the reading of God's Word. It might be a little bit longer. And so I, I hope you are okay with that. I hope you guys have a, have, have a tolerance for the Word of God that you'd be okay with us reading some longer passages of Scripture than we maybe normally do. Uh, Today is not a huge one, but I will invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word as we look at Galatians chapter 1, beginning verse 1 through verse 10. Again, Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, and I'll be reading today out of the New Living Translation. This is how it reads. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Christ, Jesus Christ himself and by God, the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. All of the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way than that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. 
let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Obviously, I am not trying to win the approval of people, but God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Let me pray for us this morning. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the gospel that we have received. I pray this morning that as we take time and look into your word and to explore this ancient letter, that we would come to understand how valuable the gospel really is. How simple it really is. And the freedom that has been offered to everyone. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would illuminate your word today. That as we take time and explore what we're seeing here, that you would bring parts to life. That you would quicken it to our hearts. And that you would, through the power of your word, change us to be more like Jesus. God, we thank you for what you're doing here. We pray that your presence would be felt through the remainder of our service as we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you see it, why don't you wave at a person or two, let them know you're excited to be worshiping. online let us know throw a little praise emoji in there say welcome to the river or whatever you need to do to let us know you're there well as we kick off this series i want to talk a little bit about what this book is and who it was for and, and why it's so important we we find out who wrote the letter and so basically so you understand a lot of the books in the new testament especially are actually letters they're letters primarily written by Paul, but by a few of the other apostles as well. And they're letters sent to different churches often. Many times it's to address an error or to address some issue that needs to be dealt with. And so they couldn't be there to deal with it in person, so they sent these letters to say, hey, this is happening and I've been hearing about this and we need to address it. And so... As much as we don't like church conflict, as much as we don't like uh, the difficulties that come from lives coming together, if there wasn't church conflict in the early church, we wouldn't have many of the letters we have today. That it was as they were processing through these things that the early church was receiving instruction inspired by the Holy Spirit to help them understand how to live and how to take it advantage of the faith that they've been offered and so we read right away in, in verse one it says this letter is from paul an apostle i was a, not appointed by any group of people or by any human authority but by jesus christ himself and, and so 
This is the Apostle Paul that we know who was a persecutor of the church. He was someone who was trying to kill Christians and then God came and miraculously turned his life around, called him not only to join this movement of Jewish believers following this rabbi named Jesus, this one they believed to be the Messiah, but he actually then began to preach the gospel to people who were not Jews and inviting everyone to be a part of the story. And so this letter is written by Paul and it's written to the Galatians. Now, unlike many of the other New Testament letters that you may be aware of, like the book of Romans or the book of First and Second Corinthians or Philippians, this wasn't written to one specific town but to actually an entire region. Galatia wasn't a town. It was actually a group of towns. It was a basically like a state in what is now Turkey. And so this was an area where Paul actually first took the gospel to the Gentiles. And, and we'll get into that in a second. And he's, he's writing to these believers in this region to give them an invitation, to, to let them understand what God had called them to. Now, Galatia, for you to understand a little bit about them, they were kind of a backwater kind of area. Like, they, they drove pickup trucks, they had gun racks in the back of their, their pickups, they, they listened to country music, and they, okay, maybe not, but, 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 but if, that, if your mind went to that kind of group of people, that's the kind of people that Galatians was written to. It was written to a people who were just, they, they weren't the sophisticated folk of the Roman Empire. And it was specifically an area where there was some Jewish influence, but it wasn't the broader influence that was seen throughout the entire Roman Empire. And so we'll get into that in just a moment. But here is Paul talking to this group of people and trying to help them understand who they are. And he, in the very first verses that we looked at, there's several invitations that he gives to this group in Galatia. The first thing that he says is that they are invited as brothers. They, they are invited as brothers to be a part of this gospel. I want you to see a couple of key phrases that we just read and understand this because this, this, he's writing to a group of people that weren't considered necessarily part of the family. And I'll explain that too. But let, let, let's read um, a couple of key things. First of all, he says, to all the brothers and sisters, he very poignantly calls them brothers and sisters. Actually, in the Greek, it's just brothers. And you're going to see in a moment that that's important. But he calls them brothers throughout this section throughout the book of Galatians, he continually calls them brothers, and that's important. And he points to the fact that God is their father, calls God the father. Actually, in some of the original texts, it actually says, may God our father and our Lord Jesus Christ. So, I mean, he's talking about how we are children of God. He's trying to make that very important distinction. And then 
He also goes on to say, just as God our Father planned in advance, that you would be a part of this gospel. So he's really harping on this idea that they're brothers, that they're fellow heirs. Why is that important? Well, I think we get a little bit of a clue when we look at the first time we encounter the Galatians. Actually, the first time the Galatians come up in the Bible is not the book of Galatians, but actually in Acts chapter 13. See, Paul and Barnabas have just been commissioned to take the gospel to the Gentiles. They've been prayed for by their church and been sent out as missionaries to take the gospel and let people know about Jesus. And so one of the first encounters is found in Acts chapter 13. As a matter of fact, I'd really encourage you this week, read through Acts 13 and 14 and 15 to understand just how controversial it was for Paul to go to these people. And people didn't go to this group of people. People didn't associate with those kind of people. People didn't want those kind of people on their team. But yet Paul and Barnabas went out to them. And actually, I want to read a couple of verses from Acts 13 that will hopefully help set the stage for this book and help you understand why it's so important. Why, is it, why do we care that he's calling them brothers? Well, I want to... Start off by reading Acts 13, verse 26. Well, this is Paul addressing people in Galatia, in Antioch of Pisidia, actually, um, which is, was in the region of Galatia. He stands up in the congregation. to this was, He would have been in the Jewish synagogue. He stands up in the Jewish synagogue, and he addresses them in this way. He says, Brothers, you sons of Abraham... And also, you God-fearing Gentiles, the message of salvation has been sent to us. Now, the New Living Translation does a terrible job because they try to lump the last two groups in with the first group that's listed there. But Paul, specifically, when you look at the Greek, he is addressing three distinct group of people. He's addressing the brothers. He is addressing the sons of Abraham. And he's addressing God-fearing Gentiles. Let me help you understand what's going on here. Many times when we read in the, in the New Testament, and the New Testament writers, especially the ones writing letters, call people brothers, they're more often than not speaking of Jewish believers in Christ. They're talking about people who are a part of Israel who are Jewish believers. This was happening before the time of Jesus. Like, as synagogues were being established all throughout the Roman Empire, these three groups were being established. Brothers, Jewish believers... Then, the second group was this group called the Sons of Abraham. This was a title that they gave to Gentiles who had converted to Judaism by going all in. They had been circumcised. They had decided to eat kosher. They decided to dress like Jews. So, when you see those two groups, he's talking to 
actually Jewish believers, either brothers, people who are actually Israelite by birth, or sons of Abraham, people who were come into faith by following what Abraham had done. And so he's addressing those two groups, and he's also addressing this third group, God-fearing Gentiles. That was a third category, and that was people who had a reverence for the God of the Bible, but were not willing to go as far as becoming Jewish in their religion. They didn't want circumcision, which you can maybe understand why. They didn't want to eat kosher. They, they liked their BLTs. They liked their Easter hams. You know, they, they, they didn't want to give that part up, but they still had a reverence for the God of the Bible. And so Paul gets up and addresses these three distinct group of people. Brothers, sons of Abraham, and God-fearing Gentiles. And so what follows is a powerful sermon that illustrates the freedom that is offered to all three through Jesus Christ if they would simply believe on Him as the Messiah. It, it, it really is a great sermon. It's worth reading, taking some time this week and reading Acts 13 and seeing this sermon. It's so powerful that they ask him to come back. They're so intrigued by what he is saying about Jesus, by what he is saying about the Messiah, that they want to know more. And so they invite him back. In verses 43 through 45, we read, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism. See, right there, there's a distinction again. It said many of the Jews and the devout converts, so this would have been the brothers and the sons of Abraham, followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. Can you just imagine that for a moment? Let's just pause and, and think about that for just a second. These guys went to the Jewish synagogue and said, listen, there's a free gift to everyone. Whether you are Jewish by birth, whether you have converted to Judaism by taking on the practices of Judaism, or whether you're someone who just loves God, you don't have to take on Judaism. All three of you are invited have freedom through Jesus Christ. And that struck such a chord that it says almost the entire town came out. Wouldn't that strike a chord to you? If you were one of the people who was never invited to the big kid table, and all of a sudden these preachers are coming and saying, hey, it's for you too. You can have faith in Jesus Christ. You don't have to become Jewish. You don't have to take on Jewish culture. You don't have to take on Jewish customs. Jesus wants to meet you right where you're at. He wants to offer you freedom right here, right now. The entire town came out. 
And then verses 44 and 45. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But some of the Jews saw the crowds. They were jealous. And so they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. So here he gets up. They're like, you got to share more about this. you got to share more about this. And then all of a sudden, he comes to share more about it. And they're like, wait a minute. He, he's going to get these people to follow him without following our customs. And so they slandered him and they got him kicked out of town. And so he goes to the next town and you find they keep following him all the way back to Jerusalem. You can read it and it gets so heated that they get to Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15 and they have to make a decision. If you're going to be a Christian, do you have to become a Jew first? And it became a pivotal moment in the life of the church when the early apostles prayed and tried to understand what does this mean. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they came back and decided, no, you don't have to become Jewish to become a Christian. You don't have to become Jewish and follow Jewish culture, Jewish customs in order to receive Jesus Christ. And that's where most of you in this room should be shouting for joy. Because if it wasn't for that decision 2,000 years ago, most of us in this room would be disqualified. We have this freedom in Christ because the church received it First in Galatia, then it was confirmed by the Jerusalem council, and then it was sent out to the ends of the earth. All of us have been invited in as brothers. And so, not only were the Galatians invited in as brothers, and so now as we go through the rest of the series, I hope you pay specific attention to how often he calls them brothers. Later, he calls them sons of Abraham too. He, he's trying to help them understand, even though you haven't gone through everything that's required to become a brother, even though you haven't gone through everything that's required to be called a son of Abraham, you still are because you've accepted Jesus. You, you, you still have the freedom because you've accepted the freedom giver. It doesn't matter what you're doing as far as Jewish culture, what matters is, are you following Jesus? And so, Paul is upset. And he invites them to be Bible scholars because people have come behind him and said, no, Paul was wrong. I know he said you're invited to the table and we want you at the table. But we're bringing a knife to the table because we need to cut some stuff off of you. You need to fully submit to Jewish culture. You need to fully submit to our rules. You need to be circumcised. You need to cut out the non-kosher foods. You need to dress and act like us. And Paul is furious. That's going to come out several times in this book. He's furious. We read it really quickly there in verse 6. He says, I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself. 
saying, I'm shocked. I gave you the gospel. I gave you the truth. And now you're letting other people come behind and preach a different gospel. He's saying you should understand the good news better than this. And then he goes on this thing where he's saying, if anybody preaches anything different, it's not really good news. If anyone preaches anything different than freedom through Christ alone, then it's not really good news. And that person should be cursed. In verse 8, he says, let God curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven. Because here's what was going on. People were coming in and saying, listen, we have it on the authority of the leading Jewish rabbis that you have to become a Jew first. Or they would say, we got this revelation from an angel that you have to become a Jew first. And that's why Paul, in the early part of the letter, says, I I don't find qualifications from anyone else. I got this directly from Jesus. That you don't need anything but him. He says, if anybody teaches anything else, they are to be cursed. So, this is the good news. And, And so he's saying, understand the message. Don't just be foolish about this. Don't just, don't just, Take anybody who says they're a Bible teacher and believe what they're saying. You have to press it against the Word of God. You have to take what's being said and put it against the fullness of Scripture. And so he's inviting them saying, listen, you need to understand God's Word. You need to understand the good news and what has been presented to you. You're invited as brothers, but you're also invited to understand the Bible become scholars of this, to be people who hold on to God's Word. And that's an invitation I want to extend to you guys. Don't, don't just believe me. I mean, I, I put in a lot of time, I put in a lot of study, and, and I hope it blesses you guys. But a greater blessing to me would be you coming back and saying, you know what, I heard what you said, and then I started studying it, and then I started seeing these things in God's Word. I, I don't want to simply reheat God's word for you. I want you to find fresh ways of encountering it for yourself. I want you to be people who aren't tossed about by every wind of doctrine. But you're people who can prove what God's word is because you're people who spend time in God's word. And that's what he's saying to them. Let's be people who understand what the good news really is and live according to that truth. And the last thing, they're invited to bless God. They're they're invited to be people who bring pleasure to God and to God alone. In verse 10, he simply says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. And if anybody understood that, that would have been the Galatians. They watched as he preached the gospel and got beaten. They watched as he preached the gospel and got kicked out of town. They watched as he preached the gospel and the people who were supposed to be on his side were turning the pagans against him. And so he's saying, 
I'm doing this for the approval of God and we have the same opportunity. We can live for the approval of our Facebook feed. We can live for the approval of our Instagram followers. We can live for the approval of the people that we work with or we go to school with. Or we can live for the approval of one. The truth is we don't get to choose both. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, it means there will be times your devotion to Him will cut against all of those other platforms, all those other people groups. And we're invited to be a people who seek the approval of God rather than the approval of men, just like Paul. And so I'm excited. I'm excited for the book of Galatians. I'm hoping that you guys see how powerful this is, that this is an important book. It is unique in the New Testament in that it is the only book that was written exclusively to the God-fearers, exclusively to the people who were not Jewish. He was specifically targeting this group of people who were not of Jewish descent and saying, don't buy it. Don't buy it. Don't believe these people who are saying you have to be Jewish first. If you read the rest of the New Testament, there's always a mixed audience unless it is only Jewish. Like the book of Hebrews very specifically is to the Hebrews. Thus the name. Most of it is written to mixed audiences. This one is exclusively to the God-fearing Gentiles. The people who have believed that they could become a Christian with nothing attached, but have started to try to attach things to it. Try to say that, I I know I'm supposed to be saved by grace, but maybe I should add this on just to make sure I'm safe. Maybe I should dress this way. Maybe I should act this way. Maybe I should give this much in the offering rather than that much. Maybe if I would just work a little harder, God will love me more. And Paul's saying no. Remember what you've been taught. Remember what you have been given. Remember what good news really is. And for them, good news meant they were invited to the table. They were invited to the table. As are all of us. And so, this week, I really want to encourage you, read the book of Galatians. It's got six chapters. You could read a chapter a day, and you get a day off. So like if you miss a day, you, you can pick it back up. Although it's a pretty short book, you can probably read it through in a, in a, in a sitting if you wanted to. But it, it's a great book. And I hope that as you do, you're going to start to see some of these themes, these themes of freedom, these themes of Christ alone, faith in Him alone. That the law does not save us. It is trust in Him. And we'll explore a little bit more what that looks like but one of the things that I wanted to really kind of focus on as we go through this series is this concept of freedom. That God wants us to be a people of freedom. And so one of the things that I've decided to bring back is our end-of-service prayer time. And so in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to worship.
And then I've got a few different members of our prayer team that have agreed to come up front here and just kind of stand up here. And if during the worship time, if you need prayer for anything, I would just encourage you to come find one of these members and, and let them pray for you. If you're not comfortable with that, that's okay. You don't have to come up. But I just I felt like now's the time to start saying this is what we're going to be about again. We're going to be about a people who believe in freedom. That you know, we, we want to be respectful of spaces. We want to be respectful of the fact that there's still people dealing with sickness and illness and all of these things. And, and, but if you are comfortable with receiving prayer from someone, we want to make that available. And we want to do it in a way that's honoring and we want to do it in a way that's safe. But I think there's something powerful about someone praying for you. Something powerful about knowing you're not in this alone. That's why we're invited to the big table, right? So that we can feel like we're a part of something bigger than us. And so, I would just encourage you, even if you don't come forward for prayer, let's be a people who are seeking freedom. So with that, I'm going I'm to invite you guys to stand. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. I'm going to invite the prayer team to go ahead and find a space up here, those of you who have, would like to pray this morning. And I'm just going to pray a blessing over us and then let the worship team lead us. And if uh, things go on longer, we'll just we'll let altar time happen as long as it needs to. We've got some online worship that we can be playing to kind of keep that going that if you um, if you want to just stay in here and pray that's fine that's what we're here for that's why we're a church let me pray a blessing over us and a blessing over the rest of this week dear Jesus we thank you we thank you for what you're doing in our church we thank you for what you're doing through inviting people to the table. I pray that we would be a people who understand the power of being invited to the table. And it wouldn't just be something that we say, it would be something that we would seek for others. That each of us would be honest about the people who are the others. The, those people we feel the gospel is a little bit uncomfortable for us to present it to them, but that we would be willing to go beyond that, to recognize that we were invited in so everyone should be given an opportunity to come to the table. I pray for any who might be in this room or watching online who maybe they haven't fully surrendered to you. They haven't accepted you as their Lord and Savior. I pray that you would bring freedom to those hearts right now. And if that's you, if you would say, I need that, I need that freedom, I invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. You can use my words, you can use your own. You can say this out loud, or you can say it in the quietness of your heart, but say something like this. Say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. God, I 
ask that you would forgive me. Forgive me of the ways I've hurt myself and others. Forgive me for my sin. I turn away from that life and I follow after you. And I thank you for new life. Today you have mine. As I pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, would you find one of these people and, and let them know that they want to make sure you have what you need to follow after Christ. If you're watching online, send us an email. Uh, click on the I've Accepted Christ button right there that should be on your online church or if you're on Facebook, that you would simply send us a Facebook message. We want to make sure you get the resources you need to live this life because you need to tell somebody. You need to believe in your heart and you need to confess it to others. So let's be a people who do that. And let's take some time today and just believe in the freedom that God's offering. And if you need freedom in any area or you just need prayer in any area, please don't hesitate to come find one of these prayer partners and, and let them pray with you. Let, let's go out of here knowing that we have a God who wants us to be a people of freedom both in our lives and giving it away to others. So, love you guys. Hope to see you next week. And let's worship.